Every year in the month of June, the city of Seville holds one of Europe's oldest religious processions. It's the festival of Corpus Christi, celebrating the blood and body of Christ, and it's been a fixture of the city since the early 1400s. It begins with a grand mass in the cathedral, followed by a procession of giant-sized figures representing various saints and the infant Jesus, borne aloft through the crowd-lined streets. It's a spectacular affair, performed with that blend of jubilation, solemnity and ecstasy peculiar to the people of Spain. I begin with this information because in 1922, composer Manuel de Falla was there to witness the spectacle, and it inspired the central movement of one of his most brilliant and imaginative works, his Concerto for Harpsichord and Five Soloists. He wrote it for Wanda Landowska, a pianist who developed a strong interest in Baroque music and wished to play it on the harpsichord for which it was written, rather than the piano. To this end, she commissioned the French firm of Pleyel to build an instrument for her, and they obliged during her career with four harpsichords, but at seven and a half feet long and with metal frames, they were more powerful than any harpsichord known to J.S. Bach rather more like grand pianos stuffed with a harpsichord mechanism. Always a fastidious worker, Manuel de Fire took nearly three years to complete his concerto, which greatly frustrated the impatient Landowska. But when she finally received the manuscript, she declared it a masterpiece. And so it is. The first movement is built around a 16th century love song, De los Alamos Vengo Madre, I Have Come From the Poplars, Mother. The second movement recalls Fire's impressions of the Corpus Christi Festival in Seville. You can hear the solemn plain chant and the clanging of the cathedral bells in the bass notes of the harpsichord. Fire was a very devout Catholic with the demeanour of a monk, and it's odd that he wrote almost no music at all for the church, preferring instead to write for the theatre. But in this movement his love of ritual and the sacraments is plain to hear. Maurice Ravel is reputed to have called this movement the greatest chamber music of its time, and while I can't authenticate a source for this remark, it sounds entirely plausible. The last movement is a lively dance, very much in the spirit of Domenico Scarlatti, the great Italian harpsichordist who spent most of his career in the service of the Spanish and Portuguese royal families. So in this concerto, Manuel de Fire frames a religious festival with the song and dance of his country. Thanks for joining us this week on Anam Radio, and we speak now to pianist, composer, and in this case, harpsichordist, Peter Diego. Hi, Peter. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me. Great to see you again. Now, Peter, this work that we're hearing you perform this week, the concerto by Manuel de Fire, was actually written for Wanda Landowska, the woman who really brought the harpsichord back to life. Now, for this concerto, de Fire specifies in his preface to the score that he wants a big, sonorous sound, and this was probably quite easy for Wanda Landowska to manage because she had specially built harpsichords from Playel. They were seven feet long. They were more like Panzer tanks, actually, than a traditional harpsichord. Tell us about the instrument you're playing in your performance. 
Well, the instrument I'm playing in, in my performance is the one that uh, at Anam we have available to us, I suppose, so there's really very little option one way or the other. But while it certainly doesn't have the sort of immense uh, registral capacities of a 20th century style instrument, it has quite a vibrant big sound, which I do think works for this piece. And in terms of sonorousness, I mean, we did amplify it a bit, if I recall, which is always a good thing to do with a harpsichord or really any plucked string instrument. The other thing that Defire specified is that he wanted perfect balance between the harpsichord and the other instruments. So tell us about that. It's hard to know what a perfect balance is really from the offset, I think. And also, especially in a concerto, you'd um, maybe want the harpsichord to be quite present. Certainly in this piece, it never really seems to play an accompanying role, as far as I can see. In terms of just matching the, the strength of the ensemble, I, I do think amplification is always good. And since this performance, I've actually acquired an instrument of the modern type, a Wittmeyer harpsichord from uh, 1968, uh, which I bought in order to play the um, Zanarkis pieces. They're so specifically for that registration, they don't even really work on any other instrument. And it's been a wonderful journey of discovery, learning, learning to use that and uh, coping with all the pedals and everything. And I mean, the thing about these instruments is in fact, because of their size and because of the iron frame, the whole construction tends to strangle that natural resonance that the Baroque harpsichord has a little bit. Ironically making amplification, I think, even, even more necessary perhaps not necessarily for sonorousness or, or loudness, but uh, almost just um, to make the sound color as vibrant as, as the rest of the instruments. In fact, it'd be interesting to do this piece uh, again sometime in the future on my instrument now. Uh, it would be quite a different experience. Well, let's talk a bit now about the actual concerto. To what extent do you think Defire was actually trying to recreate a Baroque sound? It doesn't seem like he's aiming for that much at all. There's certainly no stylistic reference I can detect that points to a Baroque influence. Um, I think idiomatically, uh, it's not particularly a harpsichordy, which uh, in one sense is a common weakness that uh, I think composers who are unfamiliar with the harpsichord sort of fall into, that they write for it in a more usually a pianistic way. But uh, Defire seems to have managed to come up with something that you know, has a great strength for its scope that seems to look beyond the instrument. But who knows, um, as you mentioned, there seems to be this church influence in the second movement, this sort of grand and somewhat severe uh, Catholic procession. And that in itself may be a nod to the time period that can be conjured up by the harpsichord or the organ. Well, let's talk about that specific movement. It is remarkable. And actually, I remembered Paul Dean, when you were all rehearsing it, describing it to me as crazy, his exact word, but crazy in a way that he really enjoyed. It's totally unique. There's really nothing else like it. Just talk us through that movement. Well, it, it is sort of crazy. I mean, uh, in, in the whole piece, but especially here, I think Defire really contrasts this very purely modal material, which in the outer movements is also associated with that, I think, Andalusian uh, folk style but uh, combines it almost seamlessly with a sort of more gritty harmonic world, which uh, I suppose people were starting to do uh, when he was writing this piece, or had been doing for quite a while. And I remember Paul um, in rehearsal once uh, just uh, remarking how, how strange he thought the music was, and I think he thought it had something to do with the war, which I'm <laughs> it seems a very sort of Paul overreaction, but um, I don't know if it, it's true or not, but it's a lovely image, uh, depending on how you want to play it. Well, who knows? I'm going with the church procession myself. Yes. It's a remarkable piece. He laboured over it for a couple of years, and it's only 15 minutes long. Tell us what else you like about this piece. 
it's just incredibly satisfying to play, really. Um, it, it's fun, despite being slightly unharpsichordy. It's not particularly difficult to play, at least I, I don't find it so. Perhaps that's my training as a pianist coming into play slightly, I think. It really sort of has everything, every m mood of light and shade and this wonderful grandeur, but a real sort of grittiness at times. The more transparent Bokeh bits really remind me of Granados at his most placid or his most uh, joyous, and yet uh, he then deviates into something which sounds more like Debussy or, or even Stravinsky. It seems to be quite a clear influence at times. Well, he apparently loved this piece, and it's easy to understand why. And I, I think the violin writing especially reminds me a lot of uh, Soldier's Tale and Pulcinella. Oh, yes. so, so I'm not one bit surprised that Stravinsky loved it. Just to finish up, how do you place this concerto in the harpsichord repertoire? harpsichord obviously has a lot of music written for it as a solo instrument, but not that many concertos. And it's so nice to have this piece. It's sort of the big harpsichord concerto in a way. And despite that, it's very conveniently portable with such a compact instrumentation. Well, Peter, on that word, we'll say farewell and thanks so much for your performance. I love it. And thanks for joining us on NM Radio. A pleasure. Thanks, Phil. Our next podcast on NM Radio will be a very special one indeed. British composer Michael Finnessy talks to percussionist Alexander Mayer about his piece, Ru Chu. Thanks for listening.